Gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. A joy to be with you all once again and a joy to be here right here right now with my guests at this time. Uh, you guys, you know that I've been interviewing a lot of guys from Florida and, and, and that scene back in the day, the guys that were just lighting, lighting it up all on fire back in the day and this guy right here, right now, the accolades speak for themselves. Former NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion, NWA Florida Tag Team Champion, FOW Heavyweight Champion, IPW Tag Team Champion twice over, and four-time IPW Heavyweight Champion. He's the one. He's the only. He's Mr. Mike Sullivan. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, sir. Uh, I'm still uh, waking up, but I... Uh, I am. I'm excited, thrilled to have the chance to talk to you today. And Mike, as per usual on the show, uh, the first question is: When you were a young man, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Well, <clears throat> the first time I remember seeing wrestling was Channel Nine, Long Island, New York. So I was a WWF guy in the beginning, and that's where it started from. Um, and I just remember it came on at about 10 a.m. on on Saturday, and uh, the first time I ever saw it, I saw uh, guys like uh, uh, Bob Backlund, Jimmy Snuka, the Wild Samoans, Andre the Giant, all those guys, Magnificent Morocco, Pedro Morales, and uh, you know, once you see wrestling, and if you're a fan, you remember, and and that's it. And I just got sucked right in, and. Uh, you know, and I think, uh, it'd be on for about an hour and then me and my brother would, uh, beat each other up, seeing, seeing if we could emulate the moves and stuff. So it was great. And that was back, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 11. And then, um, you know, once you, so, uh, just a, a little bit of back then in the early eighties, you'd you were a fan of, of the, the area that you grew up in. So up in the Northeast, we had WWF. <clears throat> and then I never even, I just remember my first time, like after going and I'm watching wrestling or watching it on TV, we'd go to the local newsstand. And that was the first time I ever recognized uh, that they had wrestling magazines. So then we would get the wrestling magazines and then you could see all the other wrestling throughout like the South, Mid-South, uh, Texas. That's how you kept up. And that's how I was introduced to the guys like Ric Flair, NWA, uh, Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, it, you know, it sucked me in for uh, for a long time. <laughs> it seems to be the case with a lot of guys I've had on the shows as soon as I saw it, that was it. It, 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 it was the same for me. The, the moment I saw it, it, it changed everything. Uh, yeah. Basketball was now meant nothing to me. Uh, right. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's all about wrestling. Yeah. It screws everything up wrestling. It does. You just, <laughs> you, you, it's, 
but it's great. It's a, uh, it's, we call it the, uh, the bug you get, you got bit by the bug and that's it. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I, I haven't watched it like properly, like every week since like 2005 and uh, I'm still obsessed with it to this day, just based off what I liked back in the day, I'm still like that. So it's, it's funny how it works, even if it's not something that you, you're really into watching every single week anymore still right and then the internet is just great because you get to see all the the old stuff you know and and you get to hear about the territories so now you you know there's been so much so much of the older uh you know stuff from the 70s and 60s you'll you can find it online now and it's just it's amazing it's great (laughs) exactly who needs the current stuff where you can just watch the old stuff uh (laughs) right (laughs) um okay so uh, 10 11 years old was when you 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 first started uh getting into as a fan time wears on you become a teenager you become a young man when does it at what point do you think to yourself you know what i'm still obsessed with this thing I've got to figure out how to get in the business. How do you figure out how to get into the business and and uh, begin training? How does that come about? Yeah, so I was in uh, in '89. I went into the Navy for four years, and then in '93 I got out. My my family was still living up in New York, and uh, <clears throat> I helped my. It was getting rough for my grandparents up there, so they needed a, a warmer climate. So. <clears throat> my dad said, well, we're going down to Florida if you want to want to give it a shot. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll come down. I didn't even think about wrestling, right? And so I had just gotten out of the Navy veteran, just still kind of lost, not knowing what I was going to do. And uh, came down here and my brother came with us and we started, um, you know, lifting weights and stuff. And um, at the gym, I'll never remember, I'll never forget. It's in uh, Largo, Florida. And there was a, a, a world gym there. And uh, you'd look at all the, all the, uh, they'd have pictures of all the guys, you know, the, the muscle guys and, and the bodybuilders and stuff on the walls. And there's a lot of wrestlers on the wall. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, so never thought about it or anything. And uh, went to the, uh, we were working out one day and I went to the water fountain and uh, looked on the billboard. And there it was. Uh, a flyer for Mad Dog's Palace School of Professional Wrestling. And I I was the only one at the water fountain. I went back to my brother and I go, hey, man, there's a wrestling school flyer here. The guy said, we're not really doing anything. What, what do you want to do? You want to give it a shot? He's like, yeah, sure. So my brother's name is Kevin Sullivan. And not, not no relation to the other Kevin Sullivan. Um, but he's the one that called... Uh, the trainer of the school. And he said, yeah, my name's Kevin Sullivan. And uh, we want to try out for wrestling or, or find out how we get, get to get in the ring and stuff. And <clears throat> the guy blew us off who was actually Brett Sawyer, uh, brother of mad dog Sawyer, uh, Buzz Sawyer. And uh, he blew us off because he thought we were just ribbing him. He thought we were messing around because my brother said his name was Kevin Sullivan. So he thought it was just a joke. So it, it was like a couple months later, we finally called again and, and found out where it was and went there and started training. 
<laughs> Fantastic stuff. Uh, so please tell me about your experience training. Uh, I, I did some research and seen such a plethora of uh, these great names that uh, had a hand in training you. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and, you know, I guess what you, 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 you learned most from that time. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's when you learn that uh, the first thing they tell you, uh, I remember, uh, he gives you, uh, Brett had a different way of, of, of training you. And uh, a lot of them, they wouldn't even let you get in the ring, like over in Tampa until you, you know, you did a thousand air squats, a thousand push-ups, and, and other things. Well, Brett wasn't like that. Uh, I think he was just trying to to get our money, which, which was okay. That means we got to go in the ring. So we got in the ring and uh, the first thing he does is he gives, gave us a backdrop and he didn't tell us to tuck our head or anything. And the first thing you do is you tuck your chin on a backdrop. And so we hit and it rang our bell, all of us. And there was a, a couple of us there and he goes, uh, and it's the, it's the one, one thing that always stuck with me was he goes, well, wrestling ain't ballet. And I, and I was like, okay, all right, here we go. Tuck, tuck my chin next time. Cause there's no, uh, you know, there's no uh, sympathy out there. You know, you do it right. You learn to do it right. Or, you know, it's, it's going to be a rough, rough and probably short road for you. So that's how we started. And he trained us for, for quite a while. And that's where we, where I started. And then, um, I don't know. Do you want me to tell you about the rest of the guys that trained me? I mean, yeah. it was a, over like, it was like a good three year time period. So I started okay. with, with Brett Sawyer and um, then we moved, moved on to um, uh, Tommy dreamer and uh, not Tommy dreamer. Um, Tommy. Um, Rogers. Say that again. Tommy Rogers. Yes. As you can see, I've been hitting the head quite a few times. <laughs> so Tommy Rogers uh, and uh, Tommy was great. Tommy was, uh, uh, he was encouraging, you know, he's a veteran. We saw him on TV back in the day and he was just awesome. And he would, he, and he was the guy that first really wrestled with a, like a cruiserweight with us. So, you know, it was that kind of that strong style, but he was quick. Um, and he was tough and that was great. And then uh, really the, the other guys that, that really uh, formed uh, my wrestling was uh, the, the Bushwhackers. So I got to, got to train with the Bushwhackers quite a bit. Um, they were really cool to me and uh, their experience is just phenomenal and just just listening to them that's how I really learned a lot about psychology because you would just listen to them call the match and and tell you how the match was going to go and and I'd heard it a couple of times uh prior to, to actually getting in the ring with them and it was just phenomenal like one would call the whole match and the other would call the finish and that was it and it was just it was the same routine uh, but every match felt felt different, and and uh, those guys, I, I I just can't thank enough. The Bushwhackers uh, was was really uh, really instrumental and in, in helped me with with in ring psychology. So that was great. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Bushwhackers. Uh, uh, okay, so okay, you, you you do this training, you you, you get help uh, from other people here and there. You start to feel ready, I suppose. Uh, tell me about the Freedom Rider 
uh, and your first match. Tell me a little bit about this character. Well, the Freedom Rider came about, you know, we were big growing up in the, uh, you know, in the 80s. You, you, we saw all the, guy, the guys with the face paint, right? So the, the first guys that really affected us with face paint were the Road Warriors. And that was another changing point in our lives was just watching them and saying, oh, okay, this is, this is a whole new level. This is a whole different thing. And uh, we love that. And then, of course, you know, we had Sting. And uh, you had guys like the great Muda. So we're like, all right, well, let's uh, let's do the whole red, white, and blue thing, right? Because that was always, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, me and my brother. So it doesn't get much more American than that. So, excuse me. We decided, all right, we'll paint our faces. We'll red, wear red, white, and blue. It's easy to get a good pop. USA, USA. Get them going. Um, and that, it was just, that was it you know uh it worked well and it kept it 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 kept kept us uh pretty popular so on the local scene so of course there's always a red white and blue guy in every town but uh around here in tampa we, we did pretty good with it so excellent um i wanted to ask you about your first impressions of uh ron namey and uh being a part of IPW Hardcore. All right. So the first time I met Ron Neamey, um, he actually um, called me and asked. So one of the things with the, the first guy that trained us, if he was not very well liked, we didn't know that at the time in the, a lot of the wrestling community. Um, so we kind of got uh, or me, myself, I was by myself at this time. So I kind of, I was kind of blackballed just for training him, you know, didn't know any better, anything like that. And there was, there was really two, two groups in the, uh, Tampa St. Pete area. There was, uh, the Tampa guys. And then there was the Pinellas County guys and the Pinellas County guys were, were definitely not as, as polished as the Tampa guys. So those guys were, were coming out under Malenko and uh D Malenko and um those guys were really taught very well so this was about four four or five years into me wrestling so I really had to work my stuff I really learned kind of in the ring it was kind of like trial by error with the training uh, there were great guys like I said uh Tommy Rogers and uh Dave Sierra, Cuban Assassin, those guys kind of took me under their their wing and kind of kept me going and uh, teach me some really good stuff and get me on the right path. And then I, I don't know who told Ron, maybe he had seen me or someone had, had told Ronnie about me, um, but he called me up and said, hey, you want to wrestle for him? And for, for him? And I'm like, yeah, sure, that'd be great. And uh, Really, he's the guy that kind of got me unblackballed and showed that, you know, no matter who you're trained by, you know, that doesn't mean that you're you're going to be like them. You know what I mean? Um, that I was my own man and he just decided, all right, I'm going to give you a shot. So he gave me a shot and, my, and uh, I always told Ronnie, we still speak, you know, every once in a while. And I tell him, you know, you always ever since that first time you'll always get the best of me always get 110 percent and i think that's why he kept me around so 
was Excellent. That. Yeah, that's cool. Um, awesome stuff. Uh, I, I always like to to go down this road when I when I do my research and find out some of these uh, TV matches that a lot of guys had. And uh, I wanted to bring up World Championship Wrestling. Uh, and, and I'm going to list off the matches one by one. And if there's a story behind that experience, please indulge me. If there's not, uh, we can just move on. Uh, sure. The first one here, uh, talk about walking into the lion's den here. Uh, November 3rd, 1998, Lee County Civic Center in Fort Myers, Florida. You wrestle Scott Hall. I, I watched this match yesterday and uh, my friend Adam was also watching and we kind of laughed at seeing this guy walk into the ring just so calmly when there was like six NWO guys just standing there. Oh you yeah. Know, you know, what's going to come, you know, yeah. what's happening. So I, you know, and they, they tell you before the master, like, listen, the rest of us are going to get involved. I got the whole NWO out there. I got Scott Norton. Um, some of the other guys, I just remember Scott Norton because he, he gave me a, a, a chop on the outside of the ring. <laughs> I took a nice bump for him. And in the back, he said, Hey, great job, man. You okay? I'm like, yeah, man, that's part of the deal. So I thought it was great. Um, but, you know, you're actually in there with a guy like Scott Hall. You know, I was a nervous wreck, right? I'm in there with, with the bad guy. And uh, um, I just remember he's like, you know, they tell you, they go, hey, kid, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. But and I was grateful because he like actually let me wrestle. You know, we're we were jobbers, you know, I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it, but you always appreciated the guys that, that took care of you in the ring, these guys, because you're basically, you know, you're, you're basically a bounce dummy for them. Right. And, uh, he took great care of me in the ring and he actually let me do some moves, which was awesome. You know, he let me wrestle. We got to wrestle. I got to wrestle Scott Hall, you know, and, uh, I just I always tell all the all the guys because I might have been the only one that actually wrestled him of the guys I know of the local guys and I I used I used to say, man, when he had me up in that razor's edge, I just all I could see was was people and it <laughs> felt like the high it felt like I was thirty feet up in the air and I was like oh boy here we go and it was the just the easiest move of all time and it was great you know and. Uh, I can't can't be thankful enough. I got I got a shot at, at uh, to wrestle Scott Hall, um, especially with him just passing. You know, I can say, yeah, I wrestled that guy. Yeah, that's super cool. He, he I, I would say he's probably my favorite um, of all time. Uh, and I, just when I watched the match, I, I I thought it was comical because I was like, the referee knows that they're getting involved, but it's almost like at this point now with the NWO. Oh, it's it's gonna happen anyway. Yeah, yeah, and he's just you know you you get when you get in there with uh, some some great ring generals and and for being a big guy, you would think he would be doing a lot of the following and uh, but I, I think uh, Scott Hall he he called a lot of his matches and I I, I just think he was great. Like one of my favorite matches is is him and uh, Shawn Michaels, you know, for the Intercontinental Title. You you just you can't get better than that in that ladder match. So for, my, for my money. Yeah, definitely. And, and I will say I, I too have taken a razor's edge before, not from Scott, 
but I know that feeling when you're up there. Uh, oh yeah, it's a little daunting, but then you take the bump, and it's uh, it's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, moving forward, December fifteenth in uh, Palmetto, Florida, you take on Glacier. Uh, this was an interesting one. I watched this yesterday as well. How did you How did you uh, enjoy working with Glacier? So he was all right, uh, but the Glacier thing was. Uh, was a funny little funny story uh, that back then they weren't doing any no blood on on TV, especially in WCW. There was no blood, and uh, rem- um, I for- I don't I f- don't know his his real name, but he's that referee they call Little Nate. He's the blonde haired guy in WCW. He refereed that match, so we're in there, and uh, uh, he. Um, Glacier had one of those uh, metal or composite, whatever it was, uh, knee brace. And he never drops, dropped a knee. And he dropped a knee on my head and he caught my head and it started bleeding. So the referee goes, he's, he's over there trying to cover it up, you know, because he doesn't want to get in trouble. No one wants to get in trouble. He's like, he's like, hey, do something with that blood <laughs> so that we can take this home and, and uh, finish this match. So, you know, I got the wrist wrist tape on so i'm sitting there just dabbing it up a couple of times and then i think he get i think uh glacier's move was that was that one kick right and i think he yeah. did gave me that one kick and that was it real quick like after that but that was just one of those things he goes yeah i don't and in the back he goes i don't really drop knees i'm like well you drop one today so <laughs> okay right it was just 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 something i remember from that match yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, because I, I did watch it, and I do remember. Now that you mentioned, I do remember seeing him drop drop a knee like that, and I was like, "Don't usually see him do that." Uh, so, no, <laughs> especially it, with the knee brace, you know. <laughs> Use the other knee. Uh, next one, moving forward. Uh, I love it. I, you know, to, to you, it might not seem like an important detail, but that minutia of you telling me that story, I love that. Um, January 5th, 1999, Georgia Mountain Center in Gainesville, Georgia, against Kendall Wyndham. Uh, rare singles TV win for Kendall during this time period. Uh, how, how did you like working with him? Uh, Wyndham was great, man. Uh, there was no problem. And that was actually the second time I had wrestled him. So I had wrestled him uh, a couple years back in a, a local, local deal down in Immokalee, Florida. And, uh, got to, you know, he, he was played a heel back then was great, uh, wrestled back and forth. And so I had no problem with him in, in WCW. It was just, you know, he remembered me. So he was, you know, took care of me, was really cool. And, uh, it was, that was it. Not, not much, you know, cause it was a good match and, and, uh, he was, uh, n- no issues, no accidents in there. No, nothing stiff, just. He was always there. And I think he get, he, he hit me with that one, uh, you know, they always had the Wyndham Lariat or a clothesline and that was his move. And it was nice and easy. So that was very it. cool. Just, very just, cool. Bu- just, just make the bump look like he killed you. And, that, <laughs> and they're usually pretty happy. <laughs> Excellent stuff, bro. Um, yeah. And on the same day, I guess it was a taping. So you did this match, which was airing on worldwide and, the next matchup would air on Saturday night where you team with Nick Dinsmore 
uh, taking on a team that everybody always sings the praises of, Scott and Steve Armstrong, the Armstrong brothers. How did you enjoy this one here? That was great. Nick Dinsmore was great. The the Armstrongs were great. And so <clears throat> everything went great during the match. It was, it was totally the way it was supposed to be. Everything, they let us wrestle. They let us work, which was great. The one thing I remember about that TV taping or that, that night was – First of all, you get to, if you wrestled twice, you got paid twice. So that was great, right? Double payday. Um, but this was when WCW was starting to kind of get loose and starting to fall apart a little bit. So in the back, they had, <clears throat> I don't know which one was first, if it was the Saturday night taping or the Sunday night taping or whatever, but they had all the matches listed for the one night. And they, they said, okay, this is what we're going to do, but you're wrestling this one, this one, this one, this one. And then about 15 minutes prior to the, to starting the taping, they said, Oh, we screwed up. It's actually, you're doing these nights, this night instead. So you're doing this match, this match, this match. So, and I just remember, you know, I was in, in the, uh, in the office or uh, where, where uh, Arn Anderson would tell you what exactly was going on. He goes, he goes, Hey, Sullivan, I need you to go out there and tell everyone that the the TV tapings are reversed. So, you know, I'm just the, basically the hired help enhancement talent. And they're like, you go out there and go tell it. So I'm telling whoever else was out there, all these superstars, hey, man, they screwed up. It's it's this night and not this night. So we're doing this set of tapings and not this one. So they were everyone was calling their matches for the one night. So now they had to get back real quick and start calling their other matches and get with their their partners for that night. So it was, it was just, it was, you could just see the chaos and, and I had already been backstage to a, a WWE deal and uh, the difference in the, in backstage was just night and day. Yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard as much from a lot of people, uh, but that's great. That's interesting stuff. And then this appeared to be the, the final time that you, you worked uh, a WCW taping Uh did you ever get any feedback? Uh, were you hopeful that maybe they might be interested in, in, in signing you? I know this is getting to the point of WCW where, where shit was starting to uh, get tough for the company. Uh, but, yeah, was that, did you feel like there was an opportunity there? And, and what was the feedback generally? Well, you, kind of, you always hoped, you know, that, that uh, I'd be lying if, you, if I didn't say, you know, and they, if, if the they'd be like, Hey man, you know, come on back. We'll, you know, we'll give you a shot or, or, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll send you up to, to Atlanta or something like that. But at that time, after seeing it, like, you know, when I first started, I was very hopeful. And then, uh, once you, you kept going a couple of times, it, it would just started getting looser and looser. So, you know, WWE, their backstage is tight. I mean, they've got it down to a science. And in the beginning of WCW, it was, and then it just kind of started, you know, for lack of a better term, you hear the term, the, the inmates were running the asylum, and you could tell that the inmates were running the asylum. But um, at that time, it was just, I was just doing it, uh, that last one for for the payday, you know, and hoping that maybe uh, go get over to Japan or uh, down to uh Puerto Rico or, or, or anything like that. I wasn't even thinking about WWE either, but 
I got that shot too. So that was nice. Yep. Awesome, bro. And I'll get to some of those uh, WWE uh, matches soon. I wanted to get back to your IPW hardcore days. Uh, uh, obviously, you, you were uh, you know a big part of the company, heavyweight champion uh, during you know the, that kind of uh, late nineties, uh, early two thousands um, time period. Uh, I, I noticed that Freedom Rider was no more as you enter the year two thousand. Uh, the last match that I see you under that name, and it might not be, but this is just through my research, and the internet can be very unreliable sometimes. But I was lost to Barry Horowitz at Rage in the Cage 2000 in Crystal River, Florida. What uh, led to you deciding to drop this gimmick and just become Mike Sullivan? That was Ron Neamey. That was all Neamey. He's like, and you know, that's how you you make the the best heels is you get one of the top baby faces in the area and you turn on the fans and there's one of your top heels now. So, and that's what I did. Um, you know, got rid of the face paint, just became marvelous Mike Sullivan. And, uh, that was all, that was all Ron Neeman. And I was like, I was like, are you sure, man? Cause I was like one of the few guys that actually enjoyed being like a baby face. You know, everyone loves being a heel. It's so easy. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, if you're good at it, it's just great. But I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, no, nah, it'll, it'll be good. Just give it a shot. I'm like, all right, you got it. <laughs> so I did it and uh, it was great, man. I, I loved it. Um, but uh, you were just saying, you know, I got to wrestle Barry Horowitz. So that Barry was always a class act. He, uh, he always treated mean me with respect really nice and and that guy loves to wrestle which i love too so it it was it was something something else it was really good yeah that's really cool man and 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 the, the next guy i, I want to bring up one of my favorites scoot andrews i interviewed him quite some time ago sometime last year great guy i wanted to ask about working with him teaming with him in naturally marvelous he told me uh the story of this team um back when i interviewed him uh so now i want to get your perspective on that team and and, and if you have any good scoot andrew stories yeah i couldn't couldn't do anything wrong when you're teaming with scoot right <laughs> everyone loves scoot so i'm like okay so this is gonna be it's gonna be pretty easy now you know i got scoot andrews as a partner and scoot you know if we wrestled a lot of a lot of times uh on the same card never uh never teamed up or anything like that. I'm trying to remember how it had to have been Ron put us together. And then we did really well. And actually we started as baby faces. So that was it. I think we started as baby faces and they were putting us up against these two younger guys. One of them was Roderick Strong and, uh, and his partner, Cedric Strong. And, you know, Roderick's one of those guys that's just a wrestler's wrestler. And then uh, his partner, Cedric, we were building it up and uh, they were the heels and we won the match and then we turned on the fans and, and I don't, and it was one of those things because we were, it, it was quick because we were at the top and then Ron said, no, you're going to turn heel on them. And we turned heel and that's how naturally marvelous was basically born. And the best thing about, about team with scoot is i didn't have to say anything because scoot's full of lots of words so <laughs> i just i just had to look mean and uh let him do his stuff and it worked out great 
Yeah, yeah cool. It's uh, it, it seemed like a, a run that uh, on his, his for his behalf, he he was very proud of as well, um, and a big part of IPW hardcore at the time. Oh, yeah. um, uh, okay. Speaking of Scoot, eleventh uh, of April two thousand. Uh, this is in my research the first dark match in uh, WWF at the time at the Ice Palace in Tampa. Uh, you have a dark match with Scoot on Sunday Night Heat. Um, I assume this is an opportunity the office want to get a look at you both. This is my assumption. Uh, I know Scoot was uh, doing a lot of uh, uh, stuff there for the company yeah. uh, working these dark matches. So tell me about uh, the opportunity here and the experience and what the feedback may have been. Now, what year was that? What was the year on that one? Uh, 11th of April, 2000. Yeah, so that was uh, Kevin Kelly got us into that. So uh, he was our connection. He was my connection with the with the WWF, and uh, yeah, we get to wrestle our first time right in uh, our the hometown, our hometown, and uh, the Ice Palace, and it was just great. And I got to wrestle Scoot, so that was it. You know, we uh, I th- we had a great match. You know, they. It goes a lot quicker than what you think when you're in there for one of those dark matches because you're just trying to fill time and get get the uh, the crowd going. But we got the crowd going and uh, we did our job right for the that was another another one of those things I was told. One of those sayings is uh, the the first match is the most important match of the night because it can dictate the whole show. So we were, I was very proud of that one. And anytime I got to wrestle Scoot, it was, you know, we wrestled so many times, we didn't even have to call anything. So it's right. It was one of the, it was one of those, those things we knew what each other was going to do. We just did it. And we didn't miss anything. So it was great. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I, I find these kinds of matches um, interesting because uh, it's two guys there. I, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're both hoping to maybe get signed to the company um so you have this portion of time to get your shit in but also make it make sense and not just have it just be all high spots and showing off oh yeah uh, how, how do you go about mapping something out like they might say hey guys you got seven or eight minutes um and then maybe you might get into the ring and then the referee might tell you you've actually got four minutes yeah i mean you got a couple <laughs> of things you definitely want to do and try until that ref says take it home and then right. once you take it home, if you had anything else left left in there, you weren't doing it. And we we had, you know we we always knew if it was take it home, we do we do the go home spot because we'd have the go home spot ready. We and we could pretty much in the dark matches you could hit it from basically anywhere, right? And uh, that's what we did. You know when they said go home, we'd go to that dark match uh, that that uh, take it home spot. Yep. And uh, it was usually the the you'd have about a minute to take it home, 30 seconds to a minute to take it home. And you did it. And a guy like Scoot, like I said, we'd done gone over it and done it so many times. It was no problem. Yeah. I could imagine any time working with him would feel like a night off. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and you, uh, one thing that you were saying was uh, about the yeah. whole uh, getting a job thing. Uh, I wasn't really too concerned about getting a job but i always thought scoot was going to get it and uh, yeah. i was one of those things i was i was always kind of disappointed uh that uh he him and, and a lot of the guys that i wrestle with uh just great talent and i, I always thought they they should have got a little bit more than what they did 
give him more of a more of a deal because I, you know, I've seen you know I'm also a crit a critic of matches and wrestlers and their working styles and a lot of the guys I've wrestled uh, you you know they were spot on all the time so I always yeah. thought a lot of the guys I worked should have got got better shots. I agree. It's almost like a you know this crop of guys that I've I've you know your guys that from your scene. Uh, it, it's almost like a, it's such a shame that back then um, there was just there was only it was, you know WCW WWF and then of course WCW and ECW both go away. It's such a shame that they ended up being only one company and only so many jobs can be fulfilled in that one company. And all of these guys kind of miss out on the opportunity that they clearly are more than qualified for. Yeah, I always felt me and some of the guys were, uh, whether it's true or not, you know, it's, it's just my ego talking. We wish we could have been back in when the, the real territories were going on, yeah. you know. Uh, everyone says like the 80s, you know, when the WWF started hitting as the glory days, but I always thought it was like the 70s, you know. The 70s with all the territories, Memphis, you know, Northeast, uh, Florida, Texas, the Pacific, you know, it was, uh, th- that would have been something, something to see. Definitely, definitely. Um, <clears throat> further opportunities take place for you, November 20th, 2000, TD Waterhouse Center in Orlando uh, on uh, WWF Jacked against Raven. How did you find working with Raven? He's a, he's a very interesting kind of guy. Yeah, he was he was cool to me. You know, he wasn't. Uh, I, I never really talked to him personally or anything like that, other than going over our match. But he was he was cool to me. He was nice. Uh, let me do do a couple of moves, you know, and uh, I, it's one of my, the matches I'm, I'm most proud of. Like that Scott Hall match was the, was the Raven yeah. match. And, uh, you know, I got to do his, take his move, the, uh, the even flow and all that. And I thought, it was, I thought it was great. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I guess a lot of people I've heard, you know, have, have had issues with him. I don't know if it was personal or whatever, but in the ring, he was, he was professional. So can't yeah. beat it. Cool. Cool. Uh, I've only got three more of these uh, matches to, to bring okay. up with you. Um, <laughs> I just, I just find it, uh, the stories behind it or, the, or just hearing about them. Uh, interesting. Uh, it's two months and two days later at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette, Louisiana. You take on Hardcore Holly, who is also a very interesting figure in pro wrestling. How did you find working with Bob? Well, he was, Hardcore Holly was a different animal. He's, uh, he, uh, he was, he was great up until the point he did that move where he, he drapes you across the, the ring and then he kicks you. Yeah. Well, he kicked. <laughs> and I just remember all the air leaving my body. And I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to finish this match. I can't breathe. But we finished the match, but, uh, you know, it, not, nothing bad, just, you know, a, a hard kick to the solar plexus. You lose all your air. But, uh, you know, he was he was cool. And he, he said thanks at the end and all that stuff. And that was it. Like they said, it ain't ballet. So <laughs> yep, cool, it was okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the second last one here uh, of these matches I wanted to bring up. June 18th at the Ice Palace again. This time you're against Test. Uh, I, I've had somebody on the show before that didn't have so many nice things to say about working with him, but you never know. Might have just been a bad day. How did you find working working Test? So I work with Tess. He was doing the hardcore stuff back then, right? So he was like the hardcore champion or something like that. So I just remember being backstage. Um, he was nice enough in the beginning. And I was like, uh, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, I'm here for you. I remember talking and I said, I said, you know, I know you do that. The, the, uh, I'm like, you, if you're doing the hardcore thing, throw me outside. I know he used to do that, the press, right? to the top and drop the guy on the on the top rope i'm like well why don't you do that to that the the black banister out there you know the 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 one that separates the the people from the ring and uh he did and it was great and then uh nothing was was stiff but uh, i got a lot of feedback that he was he was being stiff with me i'm like no he did everything he was supposed to do and they said that it looked like he really uh took my head off with with his one kick right that that one uh finishing kick yeah and i'm like no it was it was right there it was you know my job is to make it look like it killed me you know yeah i'm sure if he wanted to put it through my head he could have but he didn't on that side but uh like i had heard that that some of the other wrestlers said something to him and i'm like you know i went to my, uh, kevin kelly and i asked him i said did i do anything wrong you know i just want to make sure I'm like, I, I thought everything was okay. So, but that was it, you know, and I, uh, you know, I said, thanks to him. He said, thanks to me. And that was the end of it. So, but that was the last time I worked for them, I think, except for uh, lately. And I don't know if you have that one, but uh, since uh, the one of the pandemic matches. Oh, right. So, okay. Yeah. But that um, was it, man. Test, test was, was, seemed like it was pretty cool to me. Um, but yeah, I heard he was talking smack afterwards, which is, you know, whatever. I, I just, wrestling is so weird sometimes. The, the bubble of the wrestling business is so weird. Yeah. The match clearly went fine. You weren't hurt. People are saying that you, he was stiff with you. You're saying that he wasn't. And then the next thing you know, he's being told that. And now he's talking shit. It's just weird. Like, I just don't understand. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. I mean, uh, you know, I, I came in with uh, guys like uh, Emery Hale, uh, uh, Navy Seal, and uh, the Shane Twins. I've been beat up by the best, okay, when they were young. And they, they were like uh, Todd Shane always says, light as a bag of hammers, okay? So, uh <laughs> I've taken some pretty good shots, have my bell rung and uh, nothing in that match compared to anything those guys did. So <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good match. I mean, I made it look like he was killing me. That was my job. That's it. Um, and another uh, match I saw in my research, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, which I was excited to ask you about. Uh, you you work with Loki uh, on heat in a dark match in Madison Square Garden. So to me, this is probably my most important question so far because I don't think I've had the chance to talk to many guys uh, who wrestled at Madison Square Garden. So for you as a fan watching um, the WWF, uh, you know, when you're a young man, 
MSG. Uh, how was it working in that building? Did it feel different? Was it, uh, you know, a big thing on your bucket list? Tell me a little bit about that one. It was the thing on the, my bucket list. This was my dream come true. It's the mecca of professional wrestling. Um, that's where I, you know, I saw Bob Backlund defending his title. I saw Snooka jump off the cage. I saw Hulk Hogan with the Iron Sheik. You know, this, that was it. And now I, I'll tell you something about that day. Uh, I remember, so New York's just crazy, right? I'm just this, yo, you know, local yokel from, from Florida. I'm no longer really a New Yorker. I, I come in, I remember walking to the garden and some guy goes, Hey, you're Mike Sullivan. Right. And I'm like, you're messing with me. Right. Like <laughs> so they're the, the fans up there know their stuff. And I remember going inside and, uh, the only thing I cared about was seeing where those guys used to come out. Cause you know, everyone in the fed comes down the, the, uh, the stage, right. The ramp. I didn't want to see that. I wanted to see where they used to come out. It was, it was the black marble or, or terrazzo, the black terrazzo floor. And it says, uh, it has the MSG logo with the garden in gold on the floor. And I could have walked out right then. That, that was it. I, I could have left and I would have been fine with that. But then I got to wrestle low key there. And uh, that was probably, uh, it was one of my two best dark matches I've ever had. And uh, besides uh, Scoot and, and Chris Nelson, who I, I wrestled as well in the Fed, but um, low key, me, they let us just go at it. And if you've, I'm sure you've seen low key wrestle. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, definitely deserved to win the super eight. Um, it was great. And they thought that well, when we came back, that's the best compliment to me is when we, we come back after it's done. Um, and they said that they thought that we were kicking each other's asses out there, like literally kicking each other's ass. We were trading chops, doing it all. I mean, it was just strong style, and which is the way I love to work and Loki didn't have a problem with it. And it just, it worked out great. And, uh, to finish like that, I was totally, that was it. I got to wrestle in the garden, you know, and I, and even the guys, the local guys always say, yeah, we did all this, we did this, but you got to wrestle in the garden. I'm like, yeah, I did. That was <laughs> it. A, it was great, amazing. man. It was, it was a dream come true. <laughs> And I that, owe that to Kevin, Kevin Kelly really hooked me up with that. And that was from actually Kevin Kelly and um, Jim Kettner from uh, the ECWA, the super eight guy. He's yeah. the one that, that really got me going with that. So. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kelly seems to have been a, a really good influence for a lot of uh, guys back then. Um, and always hear some great stories about him. Uh, so uh, just wonderful to hear uh, the, the story of you in Madison Square Garden. Really cool. It actually made me feel like such a nerd because as you were telling me about it, I, like my hairs were standing. <laughs> well, I'll tell just, you this. If so you, with, with, with your audience, I know you reach a lot of people. If anyone can get a copy of that match, please let me know. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know where it is, but I would just love to have that one. That's one of the ones that I would really like to have. So cool, bro. Uh, I'll, do some, I'll do some digging as well. I, I have right. access to certain 
places on the internet where I can find stuff like this. So I'll see what I could do. I'll see if I can find it, but uh, I can't promise anything, but All right. I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, <laughs> um, earlier you mentioned Japan and, and you know, you, you were quite big into strong style. Um, in my research, I couldn't find anything about you working there. So was there never an opportunity that came up? No, no. the one time I, I had the opportunity, it was either that or, or going to WCW and doing stuff with them. And that, that came out of the IWA when we went down to Puerto Rico to wrestle. Right. And that was uh, from Dave Sierra, got, us, got a bunch of us down there. And uh, we were we were going to be able to sign um, uh, small contracts and go over there, but I just couldn't do it because of the the WCW stuff. Right. Okay. Well, now, now I've uncovered that. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> but I did get to wrestle some of some some Japanese guys. Uh, Steve Favada, uh, Steve Madison. He brought a bunch of them over, and uh, that was great. I mean, just getting the chance to work those guys was was awesome. Excellent. Um, and and uh, you brought up Puerto Rico. I have to ask you about the experience there. Uh, we usually can, you know, there's, there's something, some things usually interesting happen there because uh, oh, the, yeah. the crowd is so, it's like it's real. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, please tell me so, about Puerto Rico. Yeah, so we're, I'm down there and they have me as um, a bad, I'm a heel, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm the bodyguard. That's my name, the bodyguard. So um, I just remember a couple of things, really. I mean, it was great. It was my, uh, I was with some really great guys, Navy SEAL, um, Dave Sierra. Um, who else was down there with us? Uh, Pet Prado. Uh, just awesome dudes. I couldn't ask for better, like, roommates and guys I'm hanging out with, right? And uh Actually, and Gangrel was down there. So that was pretty cool, too. That's where I kind of got to know Gangrel. And him and Luna actually took me out. And uh, we hang out, hung out, ate some lunch and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> but we're down there. And uh, I remember walking to the ring the first time, right? And in the, in the States, if you yell at people, they just yell back, right? I just remember yelling. And there was a bunch of kids there and, you know, scaring them. And they... They would all, they all backed up like I was going to get them. And then I just remember getting, and it's disgusting now, but getting pelted with spit. I just remember, <laughs> I was just covered. I was so beside myself. I'm like, I'm going to end up killing someone. But uh, <laughs> that was on the way back from a match. Um, had some great matches there. I remember one match, so they stick me with these other guys, El Aguilar, the spider, and someone else. And I think it was a it was either eight man or six man. Right. So I'm the only guy there that can't speak a lick of Spanish and these guys can't speak a lick of English. Right. The referee is the only guy I know. Frankie Reyes, he came down with us that can kind of speak a little Spanish, but you know, he, he, he was the referee for that match. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So we're wrestling, right. And these guys are Lucha Libre, right. I got, uh, the son of Samson, remember Santo? Well, yes. El Hijo del Santo, the son of this guy, he's like the big star there. And these guys are bouncing around in this, this eight-man tag or six-man tag. I don't remember, but all I remember is bodies are flying everywhere. And then they start doing their dives out, right? 
So they're all doing these crazy dives out there, all these lucha luchadors doing these dives. And I'm like, okay, I can't do any of that stuff. What am I going to do? So I go to Frankie. I'm the only one left in the ring. Everyone else is gone. And they're all on the floor. I'm like, Frankie, what am I going to do? And he's like, it's like, just go out there and go get someone. So I'm like, all right, I'll go out there and go get someone. So I just remember going to get, get him. And uh, it was like the first time I felt like, you know, like Andre the Giant was, was with these smaller guys. And, uh, <laughs> but it was great. Uh, I just, I just remember everyone was, was bing, 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 bing. And all of a sudden I'm the only one left in the ring. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and no one could understand anything. It was it was definitely a, a, a definitely a, an experience I'll never forget. So it was it was, pre, it was pretty good. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I, I wanted to bring it to November fourteenth, two thousand and one. Um, there was a thing known as the XWF that took place there in, uh, in Florida. Um, every time I have someone on the show that were a part of these tapings, I have to ask them uh, their experience or their point of view of the, of the whole deal. Um, Lex Lovett, who I interviewed recently, uh, he had a lot to say and w wasn't too happy with the, that experience because uh, he was put with a bunch of guys that he didn't really, I don't think he really was happy having to work with because it was about making these green guys look good. Um, but you got to work with The Wall and Lenny Lane, who, uh, you know, Lenny's a fantastic wrestler, um, uh, on the same day. So please tell me about this. Were you hopeful that this was uh, going to be something bigger than what it, what it was and that it might lead to something? Or um, just tell me about the experience as well. Yeah, of course you were hoping it was going to go to something. You know, you had Jimmy Hart there. You had the Nasty Boys. Uh whoever i mean there was just superstar after superstar and it was like wcw light you know i mean all these guys were there lenny lane was great to work with uh totally nice guy really cool uh, wanted to wrestle you know really wanted to, to to have a great match uh the wall was pretty cool too he seemed like a nice guy we had a good match too but you know he was they were trying to make him the big man of that that whole uh, outfit so you know it was it was basically a squash but he took care of me um yeah i remember the twins weren't very happy with some of the stuff that happened lex wasn't very happy with some of the stuff that happened um i think pet prado was there with us as well maybe i i'm not sure if billy was there was billy fives there do you yeah he was in that? the uh he was in a cruise yeah, right well. yeah yeah so i remember uh one of the things I remember was we're all sitting backstage and uh, two things. Uh, one, uh, Snuka was tried to take one of the twins boots. He was walking away with the twins boots on his feet and I thought the twins were going to kill him. That's one thing. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing was I remember sitting backstage and we're in the locker room. We're all getting dressed. Right. And uh, there was a smaller guy there and, uh, Road Warrior Hawk, you know, the Road Warriors were there. So Road Warrior Hawk's talking and he's just saying how his life was, wasn't all that great or something, you know, just, ah, I should be, you know, of where he's, where he was and where he's at now and stuff. And then he looked over at this smaller guy putting on his stuff and he goes, well, life ain't that bad <laughs> just because the guy <laughs> was smaller. And we all just, I remember me and the Shanes just started laughing our asses off and I was like, oh man. It was just one of those moments that's always stuck with me because, you know, 
I got Road Warrior Hawk just looking over and he goes, well, life ain't that bad. It was just, <laughs> it was just the, the, the moment. And you knew by then we knew what was going on with this XWF and that was probably like a one and done deal. So it, it was just, just it, it was a good, good uh, blowing off steam moment. So it was great. That's great. What a fantastic story. Um, uh, one guy who was, uh, I mean, I've seen uh, most of those tapings of the XWF. Uh, you mentioned him before. You, you've known him since uh, your early days. Emery Hale. Um, I haven't had the chance to ask anybody about this man, um, but I just wanted to know, um, you know, tell me a little bit about this guy. Um, I, so uh, I met yeah. Emery uh, when we were in, when I went to Mad Dog's Palace. So um, I just remember we were there for about a month and what it was, was Emery had had a, one of his wisdom teeth pulled and uh, Brett uh, Sawyer would always say, man, just, just wait. I got this guy. He's, he's like 350 pounds and he moves like 180 pounder. I'm like, whatever, man, there's no way. Cause I had seen some of the big guys and they did not move like 180 pounders, you know? Um, and then I met em Emery came in and we wrestled and he dwarfed us. I mean, like, that's when I really knew that wrestling was going to be tough to do anything in or, or make it anywhere with the size of guys like him. Like he was the first really big guy I had ever seen like that other level. Yeah. And uh, I just remember, you know, he would, this guy was doing backdrops for us and uh, I, I was able to pick him up for a body slam, you know, do all these other moves and stuff that he never had to do anything, but he loved it, you know, all. And I, I will say this, uh, the big guys, my favorite big guys and the guys that I thought were the most talented were the guys that could wrestle like they were 180 pounds and that would include the Shanes and, uh, uh, Leroy Howard, Navy SEAL. Uh, these guys were just phenomenal athletes, huge guys that would just, you know, they did, they just wanted to be in there and wrestle, you know? So Emery was probably one, probably the biggest guy I've ever been at, in the ring with. And he's, was my first match. You know, we had a tag match with him. Uh, and then eventually his partner quit and my brother stopped wrestling. So we tagged up as uh, bad medicine and, uh, we went up and down the road. He became my best friend. Uh, we were up and down the road for years together. And then once I started getting into uh, uh, Tampa with uh, Ron Nemi and IPW and stuff, uh, Emery was, had met uh, the Giant and uh, Jimmy Hart, and he was moving up in that direction. There was, you know, I wasn't going to keep him down or anything. I'm like, you do your thing, man. I'll do this. And just one of the best talents ever and just uh things didn't work out so it was always seemed like bad luck you know but uh always great to me um always took care of me um like i said he was my best friend for years and uh he passed away um in the 90s but uh I'm, i'll never have a bad thing to say about him still probably uh one of, if not the uh, strongest human beings I've ever been in the ring with. So great, great dude. And like I said, like truly at his biggest, he was 370 and he was moving like 180 pounder. So 
Cool. Um, well, thank you for sharing that with me. I just wanted to learn a little bit more about the man. Uh, so uh, appreciate that. Uh, we, we don't have too many more questions to go here, Mike. Uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about, <clears throat> excuse me, the 20th of March, 2004. You have a match with Steve Carino for the NWA Southern Heavyweight title, which you win in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, was this a pretty a, a big moment here for you to, to, to have... Uh, won this championship. Obviously, Steve was, uh, everyone, you know, sings his praises too. So how, how was it? Yeah, I mean, it was great. And it was like one of the, like, two times I've ever been blown up in a match. So <laughs> I was sucking. When, and I mean, just, it was phenomenal. You know, like, I feel like that was one of those old school uh, territory matches, you know, like, yeah. He was the the bad guy champion traveling to all the territories and I got that shot to wrestle him. Uh nothing but professional. Everything was right there. Everything was spot on. I mean it was like clockwork. And if you could if your wrestling career you get to do that more than a few times then you've done something in your career. You know, get to wrestle guys like that. And uh I had that I got to wrestle uh work him which was just awesome. Uh, AJ Styles, I got through the same thing, you know. Um, what's his name? Um, who's the one that's? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm bad with wrestlers nowadays. And I, All right. I got to wrestle with Jimmy Rave, and he just passed away. He was pretty good, but there was um, the guy that uh, tapes his hands. He's in the WWE, and then he went to AEW. Just wrestled Daniel Bryan. Uh, CM Punk? No. Yep, uh, CM Punk. Is it? Yeah. To wrestle CM Punk. <laughs> Those guys like that, or are and low key guys like that, and then the guys I wrestled came up with. It's just I, I was so lucky to be in the ring with with that kind of talent, and uh, a guy like Steve Carino was like right at the top of that list. Yeah, I'm blessed. You know whether I. <laughs> Whether I did anything or not, or made anyone uh, remember me, I, I can say I, I've been in the ring with some 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 heavy hitters. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And uh, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you is because a lot of the guys that are from your area that I had the chance to interview, a lot of them did have uh, opportunities to work uh, with TNA. Um, uh, some didn't stick around too long because the pay was rubbish, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, why in my research, why do I not see Mike Sullivan's name working for? Well, I was, team? I was on my way out then. And right. I was, I was in the starting to be, it was either keep wrestling or become a firefighter and uh, firefighting had always been my, my other passion long before wrestling. And uh, it was just, it was time to make that change. You know, I knew I wasn't going anywhere, doing anything. And uh, I didn't, I wasn't wrestling as much. Like I know, uh, like when, when I, I watched your interview with Billy, where he said he kind of started tapering off and wasn't wrestling as much. Uh, it just makes it, it's a little bit harder every time if you're not in there all yeah. the time. So it was just, just the change I needed to make for, for my life. And uh but I, yeah, I didn't hear very good stories about that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it, it, it seems that a lot of uh, the guys from your area that just got to a time where it was like, I've got to make a decision now uh, to yeah. 
do something else with my life and focus more on that. Still wrestle every now and then, but, yeah. um, but, and it's completely understandable. Um, so how did it make you feel, I suppose, uh, winding down from your time in the ring uh, and, you know, slowly but surely not, not wrestling as much anymore? You know, did you miss it at times? How, how does that make you feel? Oh, yeah, you miss it. I had like three retirement matches, you know, <laughs> and you, you just and like I said, you know, I have good, good, good friends in the business. So I had um you know, Ron Nemi would ask me to do something every now and then. And then uh, Steve Madison would ask me to do some things. And I knew they would always take care of me in there and I'd get to get to work the guys I like working and uh, the guys I came up with. So I, I didn't mind it just doing a spot here and there, uh, a spot match here and there. But uh, um, a lot of wrestlers that I've seen and and have heard stories about where their lives don't turn out so well is they don't have that other thing to go to, or it's, it's too late, you know? So I was lucky to get out when I did and find uh, a career like, like firefighting. And uh, there's actually a few, few uh, former wrestlers that are firefighters uh, down here in Tampa. So the Tampa area. So uh, it's worked out for each one of us, and uh, a lot of the other guys have have found their their callings after wrestling, and uh, you know we we've just been blessed, been able to to move on, and not not have too many too many regrets. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, very close to the end here, Mike. Uh, okay. Uh, in my research, this was the last match. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's a steel cage match at a show called What's Old is New, again for IPW, on January 12, 2019, teaming with Steve Madison against the Dirty Blondes. Just want to know if this was the last match and if you will ever wrestle again. Yeah, and it was great. And I did it. I wanted to make sure I got to do one that my son would remember. So my son was was nine at the time. And... Uh, I just wanted to make sure he he would be able to re to remember a match with me. He had seen me earlier on do one, but this one, like I, I knew he was going to remember. And I couldn't ask for three better people to be in the ring with uh, the Dirty Blondes, Brian uh, uh, Brock, and um, um, Mike Patrick, and and uh, Steve Madison. And uh, Steve's one of my best friends. The other two guys are great. I've known them for years, and it was it was about as old school of a uh, you know of a tag team cage match as you can get, and it was just it was great. And I don't ever care to walk in the ring again. I'm not saying I won't, but <laughs> you know if if it ends on that note, I'm okay with it. Wonderful to hear. That is wonderful to hear. Um, Last question now before my final segment of the show here, Mike. Uh, just want you to have the chance to let all of your, your fans, uh, the, the old IPW hardcore fans, uh, anyone out there wondering about Mike Sullivan, let them know how you feel about their support over the years and, and plug oh, you in. Got it. Uh, the IPW fans were the best fans on the planet. Uh, it was all, you know, it was like a mini uh almost ecw like uh culture and uh we couldn't have done it without them 
they, they would come and pack out Crystal River for us. They would follow us from St. Pete, Tampa area, go all the way up there. They, we'd go down to, to Miami, uh, you know, the Miami area and, and face Billy and all those guys when it was IPW versus them down there. And uh, the fans would follow us. I mean, he, to follow independent wrestlers like they did um they just made made they made you feel like you were in the fed you know or in japan i mean that's how how great they were and we couldn't have done it without them and uh i'll be forever grateful about that that's one of the reasons why i like being a baby face because i could actually you know show my appreciation and not yell at them <laughs> good call bro uh all right mike sullivan time to get to our final segment here of the show five second frenzy is what it's called uh first question here for five second frenzy who is your favorite pro wrestler of all time my favorite pro wrestler of all time i have to say is dusty Rhodes. Yeah. excellent just, choice dusty Rhodes. very good uh I know it's a tough one because you had a lot of, 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 of good opponents over the years, but who would you say is your favorite person to work with, your favorite opponent? Man, you're going to get me in trouble. I can't even say that. Any of those guys that you've already uh, <laughs> um, mentioned, um, but I, I know this is not five-second rule, but I got to say <laughs> okay. also some of the guys you didn't mention, uh, Buck Quartermain. Of course. Uh, and uh, – Pep Prado and uh, Steve Favada, along with Scoot and Chris Nelson and Lex and Billy and all those guys and the Shanes, of course. Of course, of course. Excellent. Uh, if you could pick one match, what would you be your favorite match that you've uh, competed in of all time? Uh, my favorite match, I'd have to say, is probably man. I can't even say the garden one because that's not it. My, my favorite match would have to be, um, oh man, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> well, a couple stick out, but uh, one that, that definitely sticks out was uh, uh, there was a, a uh, I want to say a six man or an eight man in the expo center. And it was great. Okay. Nope. My favorite match of all time. I got to say, if, it, if we're talking straight IPW, it's got to be me and Buck Quartermain uh, winning the belts against the Shane twins. Uh, we literally got a standing ovation after that match because they were beating the hell of, out of us for about 16 months. And when we finally <laughs> right. won, uh, every, the Crystal River was packed and they all stood up and just gave us a standing ovation for like 10 minutes. It was the best thing, you know, Wow. It's never happened to me. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, okay. Moving away from wrestling now, uh, favorite book. Uh, favorite book. I am not, uh, I like uh, science fiction kind of fantasy stuff. So I was always uh, at an early age, uh, Robert E. Howard, he writes the uh, Conan, the barbarian novels. Right. The original novels, uh, it's pulp fiction, but you, for my money, you can't beat a better writer for, for, uh, that type of stuff. And I've, I've always loved it. Excellent. Uh, favorite TV show. My favorite TV show. I'd have to say of all the TV shows I've ever seen, it's probably, uh, maybe this, this $6 million man. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Very good choice. Uh, favorite film? 
my favorite film, uh, of course, uh, Star Wars. Changed oh, my life. Wonderful. Changed choice. my life when I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Changed and I got to see it in the movies when it first came out. So it made a big impact on me. That is very cool. Um, last one here for the arts. Favorite musical artist or band? Rush. Yeah, nice. I like it. Yep. Very good. Uh, favorite food? uh pizza definitely very, pizza new york pizza very good very, very popular answer on our show uh favorite place to eat on the road oh definitely the awful house <laughs> the waffle house we you would call it the the awful house that was our favorite that are that are denny's but i was i i, I like the awful house a little bit better very good yes that is usually the number one answer um Okay, third last one for Five Second Frenzy. Favorite alcoholic beverage? If you don't drink, just favorite beverage in general. Favorite alcohol beverage is definitely uh, any type of really good Kentucky bourbon. Nice. Excellent. Very good. (laughs) Uh, Second last one here, the naughtiest one of Five Second Frenzy. Favorite female body part? You see a good-looking lady, where will Mike Sullivan's eyes go to first? Boobs. (laughs) very good and the last one here i don't think you've said one curse word on this show but if you had to have a favorite curse word what would it be mike i'm a former navy uh sailor and i'm a firefighter now and a former wrestler so i've (laughs) said just about them all i've been well behaved here my wife told me to be well behaved but (laughs) my dad made me laugh one time when he called someone driving a shit bird (laughs) <laughs> and it just has always made me laugh. Shitbird. And I never say it, but it's still my favorite one. <laughs> that is a great answer. Well, Mike Sullivan, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's a little late there now. I really appreciate the fact that you you, you took the time and, and helped me out a little bit and, and, and started this interview a bit later at night uh, because I'm just terrible in the mornings. But really has been great and a joy to to. Uh, hear some of your stories, learn about your career and, and get that confirmation from everyone that I've interviewed that you're a great guy. Uh, so I just want to say, I really appreciate your time, sir. Well, I really appreciate you uh, shedding some light on a, on a great time in wrestling down here in Florida. Um, I think it's, it's overlooked. And I can just say that I've wrestled with some of the best talent that's ever stepped in the ring. And I'm, I'm talking about the local guys around here and uh, we appreciate you uh, putting some spotlight on and taking your time to actually do that for us. Thank you. You're very welcome. And, and uh, the next one on the list to, to, to tick off is Steve Madison. So uh, I'll, oh, I'll be getting the best. <laughs> uh, thank you again, Mike. Really appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. And everyone out there, thank you for checking out the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm California. This is my new friend, Mike Sullivan, and we will see you down the road. Thank you. <laughs>